Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So, screen time, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have got a fabulous guest with us today. Melissa Bates is a 38-year-old mom. She's got two kids that are six and nine. Two years ago, Melissa's family embarked on what many people would consider an impossible task. I certainly agree with that. And they eliminated all screens from daily life, hopefully to solve to help with some of the behavioral issues they were seeing with their children. And they approached it as it was just a family experience. And some amazing and unexpected results were revealed. You can follow the process that the family went through on their Facebook public group called The Screen-Free Environment. Melissa is also an osteopath and Pilates instructor. She's based in Melbourne, Australia, and it's only 5 a.m. there. So thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat to you. Well, you know, screens are everywhere. You go to the dentist's office here in the States, and they'll put you, while you get your teeth clean, watch the screen. Your car's getting washed. While you're waiting for your car to come out, watch the screen. So we've got this whole generation of kids that are just growing up with screens all around them. Their smartphones, their tablets. And, you know, here in the States, there's there's a very high probability that most of our schooling will be done online this year because of what we've gone through. So, I mean, all parents have, have worried about it, just as, as I guess you did. But there is some good coming at it. And I think, you know, it's giving scientists a chance to answer the question, what effect does screen time have on kids developing brains? Because my big concern with screen time is that, is it going to be the new addiction? I mean, because I've seen clients in my office, families come in, and they'll give the four-year-old the phone, and that kid can pull up YouTube. I'm like, show me how to do that. I mean, those (laughs) kids are so well-versed. And my big concern was, are they going to get addicted? Because any time you start doing something, and the brain's like, yeah, you know, I like that. So the brain will start kicking out this dopamine, and then those little nerve cells get confused. It goes from, I like that, I like that, to I want that, I want that, to I need that. Had your kids gotten to the point where it was a need, or were they still in the want stage? Uh, It was um, um, particularly for our our, our seven-year-old at the time. It was an absolute need. And, you know, I would describe our family as, um, as sort of in that generation where iPhones and iPads were, um, you know, just sort of really coming onto the scene when we began our parenting journey. And it, we just didn't, we just did not realize, um, you know, how pervasive and saturating they can be in terms of stimulus for our, our kids' brains. And, you know, we would hand our son, you know, at the phone and be amazed at, at the way he would use his fingers and thought, oh, wow, isn't that fantastic? That's that's amazing. And little did we know that, you know, five, six years down the track that um, we were going to have, you know, these these behavioural problems that were so, um, you know, intense and that were seemingly getting worse. And, you know, we suspected 
that they were related to the screens. But um, as it turns out, uh, you know, not only were they, you know, um, really part of the problem, they were one of the major contributing factors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you certainly had the right motivation. Your kid was not behaving the way that you wanted, and you were seeing some negative aspects. So when you started off trying to identify what what was causing the behavior, what kind of interventions did you did you try? I mean, we had tried um, a, a couple of psychologists once one we had for over a twelve month period when he was around five and a half. Um, and we had tried, um, you know, more recently leading up to us deciding to do the fast, we'd seen another psychologist who had um, sort of suggested to us that he had mild ADHD. But it really didn't fit in with that diagnosis, what we were seeing. And, and, and she sort of agreed with us in, in ways as well. So it was a really it was a sort of a strange um, sort of situation that we were in. There were some aspects of his behaviour that were did appear to be ADHD, um, but then other aspects we would not consider mild. You know, there was, you know, huge meltdowns, aggression, especially related and around screen time. He was, you know, exhausted all of the time. He had poor sleep. He had trouble making eye contact, which, you know, we can be, we can be related to autism spectrum disorders. Um, and, and there was just this long list of things. And when we really reflected, it, it all seemed to um, stem back to the screen use um, and particularly the interactive screen use, so not the passive, you know, watching television, um, but using devices, using his um, Nintendo DS, those sorts of things, and also streaming, you know, watching streaming, so, you know, watching, say, Pokemon over and over and over again. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was our, that, our point where we thought... Um, you know, we, we really don't have anything to lose. And it does seem as though these screens um, are, you know, at the root of a lot of these problems. So why don't we, why don't we try this? It was going to be a huge effort, but we, we started, we, we, it wasn't going to cost anything. Um, and so we may as well give it a try. Well, you know, you make a good point. The, the screen time definitely impacts sleep. And a, lo a lot of kids, you know, the blue light stimulates the brain, but a lot of kids go to they go to bed with either their 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 phone and their YouTube's or watching YouTube's or doing something, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's really it's it's hard to turn that off. So, does, did exactly. all of you, as in your family, you have a lot of screen time, or was it just your two kids? You know, I, you know, it's interesting. I wouldn't, I mean, we were a very tech, techie family, I would say. My husband is in the IT industry, industry, and so whenever there was a new device on the market, we had it. You know, it was just part of, you know, our family environment. But I would say that our screen use was fairly moderated. I mean, because we suspected that there was issues there. Um, you know, the kids weren't allowed to have interactive screen time during the week. They would only have it on the weekend. Um and they would have, you know, somewhere between one to two hours of interactive, you know, iPad or whatever it was, screen time on a Saturday and a Sunday. And then during the week, they would have, they would be able to watch TV or streaming and those sorts of things. I mean, we have iPhones. Um, and so I would say that I'm a screen addict as well. And that, that definitely didn't help. <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, looking at my iPhone while I was breastfeeding 
you know, my children. It was, um, you know, it was something that all of us had to work on. And so when we went into it, we thought, well, we can't have different rules for all of us. It does, it's not fair and it's not something we need something we need to do as a family. And so we decided that we were all going to do it together. But, you know, I wouldn't describe at the time our screen use as excessive you know they weren't going to sleep with their ipads and iphones in their room but from what we understand a little bit more about the brain is that those effects accumulate accumulative so you know my children had been exposed to screens from very very early on and i wouldn't consider them excessive amounts but it was it's a cumulative effect over years and years and i think what we were seeing just before we started the fast was we were getting to those peak levels where we were either going to go into full-blown screen addiction um, and huge issues or we would, you know, try this fast. And I think we were really lucky to, to have come across this at, when we did because, you know, I see it in teenagers now that literally don't go outside. You know, they're, they're glued to their, um, their devices or their, uh, you know, Fortnite, whatever it is that they're playing, their multi-level um, games. Um, so I just feel really lucky that we came across this this when we did. Well, you know, you're an osteopath and you also are an Pilates instructor. So and I know you're passionate about the health and the well-being, not only about your family, but the community. So did what you see in the community around you kind of, was that part of your motivation? Um, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, the more acute you know, reasons were at home. Um, and I think as, as we started the fast and started to see the more positive effects, we started to notice, you know, these issues in the, yes, out in the community, you know, and we might be at a doctor's office or, um, I don't know, at a movie or something and there's a child on a screen or a device and you would see, you know, a parent take that device away and huge meltdown and, um, you know, and, and so once we noticed all of these wonderful things without screens, we started to notice just how pervasive it was in all around us and, uh, and yeah, we, we, we could see this future for our son where he, all he would be interested in was gaming um, and that's just not what we what we wanted for him um and you know that's it's it's a serious addiction you know what you said before about um about is is a concern or a worry that this is the new addiction i think it is i think it absolutely is and i think it sets up you know this addiction these addiction pathways in our brain and and i think we think screens are fairly you know not not too serious certainly not as serious as um, you know, some addicted substances and things like that. But I think if we set up those addiction pathways in our brain later down the track, um, our young people are really going to struggle with all kinds of addictions. You know, screens is just the start. Absolutely. And that, that all the networks and hubs in the brain, you're right. When you, when you lay down the circuitry, that's where the brain goes. Um, exactly, and I, yeah. You know, and I think we are starting to realize, I saw some research from the National Institute of Health, and they had used some data from the Adolescent Brain Cognitive Development Study, and that study is following more than 11,000 9- and 10-year-olds mm, at yeah. 21 sites throughout the U.S., and, and there were two really big takeaways, and one... MRI scans found significant differences in the brains of some children who reported using phones, tablets, and video games 
more than seven hours a day. Seven hours a day? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) But even even children that, that reported more than two hours a day of screen time got lower scores on thinking and language tests. So even two hours a day can have a negative impact. Absolutely. Were you seeing the the negative behavior you were seeing, was it just in the home or was it in school as well? Um, It it was at school as well. Um, I think, you know, some of the, those more ADHD type characteristics of being, being distracted all the time and um, not being able to keep still, um, um, being disruptive in class. Um, So those were some of the things that we were seeing at school. Um, and, uh, you know, I can relate some of those back to, back to the screen time. Um, and I'm going to be honest, you know, no, no child is perfect and it didn't, it's not, it wasn't like a magic pill, right? You know, it's not like we stopped the screen time and absolutely everything went away. Um, but I think what, what the biggest difference that, you know, going, doing our experiment and, and continuing our experiment, um, did with it allowed our children's brain to be able to um, come out of that flight and fight constantly and be able to self-reflect a little bit. That was, it was really, you know, inhibiting them from being able to, you know, try some of these strategies that, that we would typically use, um, you know, strategies that we tried in the school, you know, behaviour tarts and, you know, reflection and quiet time and things like that. You know, none of that was working and, and at that stage because, they were just so, so overstimulated all the time. They were ready to, you know, ready to run, ready to fight. And so, um, you know, removing all of those screens and allowing their brains to rest and reset has um, has allowed them to make those improvements at school because they're more self-reflective. You know, they can see, see their um, actions and the effects, more of the effect that they have on other on the people around them. Um, it was never a question of grades for our kids. We were really lucky. And I think that was one of the things that was a big hallmark to say, this is, doesn't sound like ADHD because he was always engaged in school, always interested, um, and always got good grades. So it was never, it was never really, we never really saw any, you know, issues with grades or things at school. Um, but you know, it was all of the other little behavioral disruptive things that we noticed a difference, um, when we did the fast. So how did you actually carry out the fast? Well, it was, it was, a. we started off as a four week process and, um, we, uh, we, um, decided, my husband and I decided that if we were going to do this, it needed to be across the board. Um, you know, we needed to really, um, get all of our friends and family involved, including the school. And so there was a preparation period of, of about a week where we got in touch with our, um, our family and friends and um, school and spoke to them about what we were trying to do. And we weren't sure how people would take that because, you know, parents particularly have this um, this uh, real fear of, or this real guilt when it comes to these sorts of issues. You know, they, if you, they don't want to feel like, oh, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. There's, you know, when you say you're doing something, there can be a bit um, uh, defensive in that way. But actually everyone was really supportive. Um, everybody sort of understood 
why we were doing it and were on board. And a lot of the people, you know, a lot of our family and friends decided to do it with us, actually. So, you know, even if they were going to their grandparents' house, they were on board with no screens um, or a play date or something like that, and even at school. So at school, if they were doing work on that, we were very lucky we had a low-tech school anyway, so we didn't really have a lot of screens in our school. Um, but, you know, when they were going to use the iPad, for reading eggs or mathematics or whatever it was, um, they would just go and read instead. And so we had a week of preparing, getting everything ready. Then we talked to the kids about it um, and, you know, said this is what we want to do. And there was initially some tears and some feeling very upset. Um, but then we, you know, spoke about all of the cool things we did. We had a planner and we said, look, this day we're going to go and do to the zoo and this day we're going to do that. And we promised them that we, because we were doing the fast two, we would be more physically and emotionally available for them. Um, and I think that was a big part of it too, just reassuring them that this is going to be hard, but we're going to do it with you. We're going to do it together. And um, it's just an experiment to see whether we feel better. And then if we do feel better, all of us, then we'll decide what our next steps are going to be. Um, and that was it. We just pulled the plug one Monday morning. That was that was put everything in the cupboard, all of the devices in the cupboard. Um, our phones were only allowed to be used if it was for work purposes and they had to be not in the presence of the children. Um, and we just went ahead and and, um, and did it. It was great. <laughs> so who do you think it was harder for? Do you think it was harder for the kids or for you? Because you guys did all the work. You, you had to set it up. Um, I think it was... Uh, I think it was it was really hard for us, especially the withdrawal period, because there was a period where but where the behaviour um, around sort of ten days, uh, you know, between sort of the three day mark and the ten day mark was really challenging for the kids, because their brains were so used to being stimulated all the time. And it was almost like a withdrawal period. They were craving stimulation and they were agitated. They, it, was, it was like coming off, you know, a, a substance. So, so I think ha- I don't... Mm-hmm. No, I just, Emma, when you said withdrawal, that's when I think about that. So what, what do you substitute that electrical stimulation with? And I thought of, you know, physical exercise. Were your kids physically active from Absolutely. the beginning, Absolutely. And, you know, almost almost to the point that it was sometimes worrying <laughs> how physically active they were when they were not on a device. So, you know, we hadn't reached the stage where they were not, they were completely disinterested in the world around them. They, they were heading that way and that was what triggered us to try this. Um, but, you know, they did lots of sports um, when they were outside that was constant, they were constantly running and, you know, constantly um, uh, you know, trying to just, just agitate it almost. So yeah, they, they were very physically active before. Um, but we were starting to notice that they were less interested in those activities. Um, and during that withdrawal period, being outside was definitely helpful. Um, but I think, um, just being with them one-on-one, I, we really had to commit to that for a period because, you know, one of the things I hear parents say a lot is that my kid just can't, I have to turn the TV on because, or, you know, I have to give them my child a device because otherwise they just won't sit still. They just want me to play with them all the time. And I just can't play with them all the time. And I get that, you know, I, I experienced that too. It was really, really challenging. And I think going into it, we, we realized there was going to be a period where they were going to need us more. You know, they were really going to need us to 
be more present with them, to play Lego with them more, to read them with them more, to speak, to talk with them more, um, to make more eye contact with them. There was going to be a period where we really needed to be committed to do that um, until their brain started to switch back and, and, you know, come out of that really high stimulating, you know, period. And I could start to come up with their own ideas and be more creative and think to themselves, I'm bored, but what can I do right now? There's a whole heap of things that I can do. And they started to do that around that 10 day, two week mark. It was amazing to see them just decide I'm going to go and play Lego or I'm going to go and read a book or jump on the trampoline without us having to make those suggestions. They took the initiative themselves and that's continued onwards that's you know and that I know that there's so many parents out there that would be thinking oh my god there's no way my kid could ever do that <laughs> and I felt like that too but they can and 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 they will if they if their brain is given the chance so what was the lowest point for your kids I mean was it because you talked about withdrawal um, mm-hmm. and you talked about boredom and I know I've worked with some kids and I think that they they become so dependent upon that screen mm-hmm. time that they really, they lose sight of the fact that you can be creative. You can have some, you can imagine, you can do these types of things. And I've had kids tell me, Miss Lee, you know, I have to have my phone. I have to, they'll come in and they'll say, Miss Lee, do you have a charger? And I do, but I say, no, I don't. Sorry. Well, I have to have my, you know, my phone charged. And I said, well, I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to be able to do that for you here. Mm-hmm. And, but it just, uh, you can tell they're in a hyper aroused state exactly. and it's that yeah. you mentioned that fight or flight, you know, mm-hmm. what am I going to mm-hmm. do? What am I going to do? And when I, when I talk to them, I'm sure it's a little bit different than what a parent does because they're not my mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, when they're your kids, it's a whole lot harder than when they're not. Um, yes. But what I've seen with kids, I mean, some of that, when I think about literally, when you say meltdown, that to me is, you know, they almost just drop to the floor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest concerns for us was that regularly, more than once, sometimes up to five times a day, they would just, he would, you know, particularly my my son, and I know boys are more prone or more, more, you know, prone to these sorts of you know issues with their with screens and um, their brain but um, it was just these meltdowns they were so overwhelming and he but they were so physical and exhausting for him and um, and that's one of the things I see in other kids and and, and we would get angry at him you know <laughs> and that's what, what was and look and you know in reflection that was it's hard to think back to that because we just thought he was being awful, you know, that, that, that this is just, this is just something that he has to be drilled out of, that he cannot be allowed to behave that way. And that, you know, it was a, almost a reflection on our parenting that he would have these meltdowns. Um, and looking back, I'm like, it's, it wasn't, it was, it was part of this process in his brain. We were flooding, giving him these devices that were completely flooding his brain with dopamine, um, absolutely saturating it. And then, expecting him to be able to just hand back the device and completely switch off calmly, um, you know, take away this, this thing that's given him all of these feel good, you know, things in his brain. And it was so, so hard for him. And it's so hard for these kids. And that's why they have these huge, 
huge meltdowns. And I think it's important. It's not a nice thing to experience as a parent, but I think it's important to have a little bit of empathy, especially if you are going to try the fast in those initial stages um, and that withdrawal period to to realise that they're not doing this on purpose. They're, it's, some, it's, a, it's something that's been set up in their, in their brain, um, in their brain chemistry, and that they need support, they need help, you know, and if they wouldn't melt down, they wouldn't have these huge meltdowns if, um, you know, if they, if they could help it. And, and it's our job to help them through that process. Well, it's interesting because I think you mentioned it, and it's so true. These kids react like this, and then we get angry at them, and mm-hmm. you know we'll play the blame, the shame, and that just mm-hmm. makes them, that makes them worse. And exactly. we do it because we're our attempt is to make to make things better, but it but it mm-hmm. really is not. And I can't imagine how hard it must be to have to model behavior you did the fast too it wasn't like okay you know you too are going to do this um but you four did that how was your husband with it was he okay yeah it was actually his um it was actually his idea (laughs) or it was his it was his initiation because we had been on a, a camping. We, had, we were attempting camping in, an, in an, uh, you know, an attempt to try and get these kids outside and more engaged in the world around them. And um, we uh, had a camping trip where um, Mitchell was just, this is our son, he was just absolutely obsessed with Pokemon Go. And he spent the entire camping trip wanting to try and find Pokemon, completely disinterested in everything that we were trying to do. And it was actually my husband that said, there's, there's something going on with this, these screens. And he was the one that came across the article in this book, Reset Your Child's Brain. Um, and so he was co- totally on board. You know, he saw the, the changes in our children. He saw the daily struggles. Um, and even, you know, even though he was in the IT industry, he was... Um, he just agreed that you know he needed to make a clear separation between what we did in front of the children in terms of work and what we um, and what we took you know into into an office or into the bedroom so that you know that they didn't see us staring at that device all the time. But I still have to remind myself on a daily basis to put my phone down and to put like I said I'm a screen addict myself, <laughs> and so I you know I really need to constantly remind myself. Um, just to put the screen down and engage, you know, and, and leave and engage with the kids and engage with my family. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's because they're there, you know, that the screens aren't going away. Uh, they're, they're part of our lives and now it's our job to, know how, to figure out how to navigate and have a healthy relationship with uh, the screen and with, you know, with our environment. Well, you make a good point. We do have to figure out because screens, they're part of our daily life. They're not going anywhere. And a lot about what I read talks about, you know, I've read that screen use is good. Um, but, but to make it even better, you have to focus on how they use the screen, not the frequencies. And a lot of what I've read kind of mimics what you said is that the when they're using the screen time, the parents should be interacting with them. They should know what they're doing on the screen. Um, exactly. And that's that gets to be the hard part sometime. Particularly, I think you know, with older kids, they they become more and more dependent upon the screen time. But it's it's so exciting to hear the progress that you made, and I want to learn more, you know, about the positive effects of the fast. And and the biggest question in my mind is, 
are you still on it? So mm-hmm. when we when we come back from break, I do want to understand, you know, exactly because you th- when I th- we hear fast, I think, oh, that's seven days and it's over. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it wasn't, was it? No, it was not. <laughs> We'll be back after these messages. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, And yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. you can burn as many calories in 45 minutes of yard work as in 30 minutes of aerobics. Yard work is a total body workout consisting of pushing, pulling, lifting, and carrying. Using a push mower alone can burn 300 to 500 calories in an hour. Raking and bagging with a pooking fork, that's a fork often used in gardening, burns about 330 calories per hour. Cleaning and digging with the dibble, that little hand spade, can burn approximately 400 calories an hour. Stay fit by horb-gorbling. That's just puttering around the yard. To me, a perfect summer day is when the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and the lawnmower is broken. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. I can hear parents out there right now saying to themselves, I can't do this. I I can't do this. (laughs) And you said it to yourself, but you found something Mm -hmm. that helped you. You had mentioned an article in a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was actually an article that my husband found because he, he, (laughs) he got on his, on his phone and Googled kids screen addiction. (laughs) And an article by um, by Victoria, Dr. Victoria Dunkley, who's a psychiatrist in the U.S., had popped up, um, explaining some of the effects on on the um, on the brain of excessive screen time, and that led um, led us to the book um, "Reset Your Child's Brain" by um, Dr. Dunkley, and it was the book that really set us up for success. Um, it, it gave us all of the information that we needed to firstly understand what was happening with our children's brains, but then also um, how to actually carry out the fast um, and what the ideal time frame was and then how to reintroduce eventually, you know, if that's what we decided to do. So, yeah, that's definitely a book that, um, that and I still read it <laughs> on occasion just to remind myself. So it's a, it's a really great, great way to, um, before, you, before you attempt, I would definitely um, read the book just to get an understanding of, of what's going on. 
Well, you know, you talked about that 10-day period where, where it got kind mm-hmm. of bad. When did it mm-hmm. start to... When did it start to get good, and when did you start to see the positive effects? So um, around the two-week mark was when we started to notice that they were um, playing independently, more able to self-regulate. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so that was around the two-week mark. And the, we did the fast for four weeks. I think in the book it recommended um, a three-week period. We decided to do it for four weeks because it fit in with our school holiday period, so we decided to to extend it by a week, um, the really strict fast. And so the really strict fast was absolutely no screens whatsoever. Um, in the book they don't say that you um, – so um, Dr. Dunkley says that that it's mostly the interactive screen time that you need to focus on because that's what's more um, more stimulating for the brain. Um, but we um, we knew that um, streaming, so we knew that the online on the streaming on the te- television was also an issue for us, and so we decided to get rid of this, the television as well. So um, we did that um, over a four week period. And then we decided to, and, and that's is what is recommended in the book, um, just to test to see at what point we started to notice that um, the kids would start to have some negative effects. So we decided to introduce a small amount of interactive screen time. I think it was 20 minutes one day a week. Um, and we would see how we would go from there. But that was still quite a while afterwards. So um, at the four-week mark, we decided to start watching a a movie on the weekend, a family movie together. We continued that from the four-week mark, um, and we probably did that for another two months, and that's when we decided to try the interactive screen time again. And the school was great. They were really on board with that. We did almost a whole term without the kids doing any screen time at school either. So... Um, that that's amazing. So go back is, to that. It is. <laughs> but go back to that four four week period. You said we mm-hmm. made the decision. Was we mm-hmm. you and your husband, or was we the family? So I mean, I think in that that week of preparation beforehand, that's when we made the decision, myself and my husband. Um, but when we spoke about it with the children, we. Um, tried to frame it in a way that uh, that we were doing this together, um, and the that we were that we were. We, that's why it's called an experiment. That we were trying this to as a together as a family to see what would happen and to see if we would all feel better. And it was funny at the end of that four week period, we all sat down and reflected again on how we all felt, and that was a we decision of the family for us to continue what we were doing because. Even though at that point the kids were only, you know, seven and five, they could feel the, the effects at themselves and they, they could agree, agree that life was better without the screens. And so at that four-week mark, we made a family decision to continue um, almost no screen or low screen um, for a period of time longer. And then every decision that we make ongoing, even now with our screen time, is... Um, it's a family discussion. It's not always agreed upon, so we do have moments where we, where we, you know, we have a we have a disagreement about it. But it is a family discussion. I think, and I think it has to be. Um, uh, I think initially it's it's very difficult, particularly if you've got an older child that's really addicted to screens. And and there's examples of this in the book. So if you've got older children. Um, uh, you know, Mr. Dr. Zankley, there's lots of examples in the book of, of ways that you can 
tell the child and also how to approach the child. If you, I mean, some parents are worried about their safety, you know, when they're, when they're telling their children that they're going to conduct a, a screen fast. So, um, you know, there's lots of examples of the book of how to, how to, how to manage all age groups um, in conducting the fast. So, yeah. so the, the, what your children learned from the first four weeks, is there anything that just kind of stands out in your mind that, or something that surprised you that they reported? Um, I think one of the – there was lots of positive effects. Um, uh, I think the – I mean, we talked about a little bit about sleep and um, – and eye contact. So I was amazed at how much their sleep improved. Amazed. And we were a family who didn't allow screen time just before bed. So I didn't think there was going to be that much improvement. I thought it was just my kids just weren't good at bedtime. But um, you know, they were they were they would say, Mom, I feel tired. And they would never say that before. <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. They would say, Mom, I feel tired. I'm going to bed. I and I, I was I was actually cried a little bit <laughs> the first time. <laughs> because I was so emotional. Um, I just, I just, you know, because it had been a battle for so many years. Um, but, you know, for them to be, to be able to feel that tiredness and to, um, and to be able to say, I'm going to bed now was just amazing. Eye contact was another big one, you know, that, and I, I, even thinking back now, um, you know, eye contact was, was something that was a real concern for me um, and and that improved dramatically and the meltdowns almost disappeared completely and it's funny now we do have the occasional meltdown I think you know I'm an adult and I still have the occasional meltdown I think it's normal for for humans to have meltdowns um, but it's funny whenever a meltdown happens with the kids now it's rare but when it does happen, it's almost always after they've come off a screen device, um, you know, for schoolwork or something like that. So it's just a re reconfirmation in our brain that, yeah, we're doing we're doing the right thing, and it's hard at times, but we need to, and it's going to be continue to be hard as they get older, um, because you know things are changing constantly. But it's worth doing because we have seen these incredible, you know, things, these incredible improvements. So kind of going back to through the journey at the four week time frame, the family made the decision that they would continue with the fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not a complete. So we decided at four week mark that we would start watching movies together on the weekend. So it would be a family movie, um, family movie night on a Saturday or a Sunday night. Um, and that continued, um, for probably, um, it's actually quite a little hard to remember now. I'm going to say for about four to five months, we continued that. Um, uh, and it sort of ran into the Christmas holiday period for us. So by the time we started in September, and by the time we were ready to start introducing a little more interactive screen time, so reintroduce an iPad, for example, at school, it was, um, you know, into February. So it was that sort of September through to February where we, we had very almost well no interactive screen time and um we were watching movies together on the weekend so um and then going on forward from there we, we we did a little testing we see we could see just to figure out where the threshold was um and then we had we decided on 30 minutes of screen time on a saturday and a sunday um and still remaining no screen time during the week apart from at school and that included TV. So we, we continued with, and we still today continue with no TV time during the week on school days. And they're allowed to have a little on the weekend. 
Um, and uh, it's only really been the last three or four months with the pandemic that we've had to, um, you know, change things up a little bit. And we have noticed, you know, we have noticed that there has been changes in our kids' behaviour. But because we all have this awareness now of of um, of what screens can do to us, we know to to our brains, we're just able to monitor it and um, and know when we need to go out for a walk or you know, we if we're feeling those effects, we can we can take steps to, you know, to reduce the, those effects. So do your kids initiate, hey, mom, I need to put this down, I need to go for a walk, or do you need to kind of monitor and help say, you know, do a self-check-in, how are you doing? Um, it's when So over this pandemic period, um, prior to the pandemic period, they were better at self-checking in. Um, I think during the pandemic period, there's been a bit more parental involvement and <laughs> in helping them do that. Um, but then they, they will say later, I really needed that, that break, you know, or I needed, you know, they can, they can feel the effects. Um, and my, my son says his head hurts. He gets headaches if he looks at the screen too much. Or I get headaches if I look at the screen too much. Um, and so he will, he has that self-reflection. He knows when he's had, you know, too much screen time. Um, but, um, but, um, yeah, I think during the pandemic period, it's been really challenging. We have had to be more involved in those decisions. But um, who knows how long this is going to go on for? <laughs> but um, I think I think the key for us is that is that awareness, and I think for a lot of families, and that's why I speak about it. Um, there's just there, there's first of all this not this awareness that a lot of these issues can be linked back to screen use, but also this. Um, this disbelief that they can actually do it, that it feels like an impossible task. And it's absolutely not an impossible task because we were about as tech, you know, techie family as you can get and we were managed to do it. And I think if we can do it, um, then any family can do it. Well, what about their friends? I mean, do they do your kids feel left out because other kids are still doing it and they're talking about it? And mm-hmm. how does that impact them? Yeah, I think they do, and and that's that's that is a constant sort of concern for me. Um, you know, if they and for us, you know, going to school and hearing their friends talking about Fortnite or um, uh, Roblox or things like that. Um, and you know, we do allow, like I said, we have allowed some gaming on the weekend, and so the kids are very honest with their friends. I'm not allowed to do that during the week. I'm I'm allowed to play on the weekend. Um, for you know, at this time, and we try and communicate with other parents. All of the parents around us know know what we, you know, what what our limits are, um, you know, so that we can try and tee up times, almost like um, gaming playdates. <laughs> so for that half an hour period, they can feel that involvement with our friends, with their friends. Um, but yeah, it, it does. It is a concern for them that they're not doing these things that their friends are doing. Um, but um, I mean. Uh, but I, you know, we just keep explaining to them that um, that this is part of becoming an adult, and that having healthy relationships with our screens, if we can do it now, then um, then you know, going forward, it's going to be much easier for them. And they see the behaviours in their kids. They'll come home and say, um, I don't know, 
someone had a someone had a screen rage today, mum. Wow. <laughs> you know, they can identify, oh, yeah, they can identify it. And even if we're out in the supermarket and there's a child, you know, on their phone and they have a meltdown, it, my, my son will turn to me. I mean, we, we have to be very careful being about, we absolutely no judgment because every family is on their own path. But he will identify it in other children. He'll say, oh, mum, that, that ch- child probably needs to stop playing with that phone. And I'm like, yeah, he probably does, sweetie. <laughs> so, you know, they can identify that. So it is hard for them at times. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it is challenging. And there are times where they feel left out. But, um, but I, I, don't, I don't think that that's a reason to stop what we're doing. It's, it's too dangerous to, to allow them to... Um, increase to increase their screen time um, just for the sake of you know fitting in. You know, it's it's not worth that. Um, it's not worth the damage to their brain, in my opinion. I totally agree with you. I mean, that's one thing that I see so much of is, you know, the screen becomes a babysitter, or the screen mm-hmm. becomes your entertainment. And I see kids losing the ability to to think of something to do. Exactly. I'm bored. Yeah. I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Well. Why don't you think of something to do? Well, why don't you they, give me my phone? Wow. They physically can't. And, you know, and that's, again, we come back to that empathy. And, you know, they're not being, they're not being, they're not doing it on purpose. They have, and, you know, addiction can be a bit of a dirty word, especially when it's associated with children. People, adults are frightened of it. But there are children who are three, four, five, six, seven, who have, full-blown addiction and if you take the screen out of it and just leave the addiction that's really frightening but it's true they have a full-blown addiction and they cannot they cannot find something else to do and getting upset and angry at them for that is not going to is not going to help it's 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 um you know if you compare what you're doing if you were comparing you know those getting angry at a at a an addict, you know, an adult addict, a substance addict, um, you know, you, you don't get angry at someone for, <laughs> for being addicted to a substance. They need help. They need rehabilitation. And we have to think of it that way for our kids as well, because um, getting angry, and I know it's hard as a parent because it's very anxiety-inducing and there's a lot of guilt and a lot of, you know, negative association that I gave my child that device and I did it too. If it was too hard, if we were in a situation where you know, they were, they were playing up or they were, I just wanted to sit down and give me relax and have my meal. I would hand them the device as a babysitter. I did that too, but I have to own that. Um, I didn't know that what it was doing to my child's brain. I have to acknowledge that I made mistakes and, and acknowledge that um, I, I'm part of that solution and that they're not going to like it <laughs> and it's going to be hard, um, but it's, 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 we're setting themselves up for success by making these really difficult decisions and helping them through that withdrawal and that process to heal their brains. When I look at the way that you did it, you know, a lot of love, a lot of planning, a lot of nurturing, a lot of involvement. You got family involved. You got the school involved. And I think, wow, you really picked the best time to do it because at that young age, that's what they're so dependent upon is their family. That's what they need the most of. When I think of a, a 13 or 14-year-old and they have that taken away, it scares me because what are they going to replace that with? 
Yes, and and I, I agree. It is, it is scary, um, but uh, it has to be explored. I mean, the alternative is is life altering. So, um, and I think I think in Dr. Dunkley's book, she does go through examples of you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, even even you know. Um, even young adults in their 20s and how they have gone through that process themselves. And I think part of it is that self-reflection is that particularly if, and I know it's hard for a 13-year-old because you've got that, that constant um, pull and push with parents, but, um, you know, part of that process is, is helping them to understand how good they can feel without it and what else they can get involved in and what else, what other doors open up without the screens. And, if you can put a time limit on it, and I think that's what's good about saying it's only an experiment, it's only a three or a four week fast, especially for older kids um, and teenagers, then they feel like it's not, it, it, there's that less permanence about it. They feel like, okay, it's only for this period if I can just get through this. And they will start to feel those positive effects well before that four week period. And then hopefully you can get on board with that self-reflection and say, how do you feel? And they can take notes of those changes themselves. Um, and then going forward, it won't be as much of a battle because they'll they'll have had that positive experience of life without screens. So what do you think about gaming? Because I've seen in some clients that, I mean, they do gaming with these groups of people online. I'm, I have a young lady. She talks about her boyfriend. He's in that community. She's never met him. How, and a question I ask her is, how do you how do you form a relationship with somebody that you've never met? Mm. And, and so to yeah. me, gaming is a little bit different. Do you think it's any different than the other screen time? Um, uh, it, it, look, it's hard because I haven't been in that, that older age group, I suppose, to experience those sorts of things. Um, but I don't think, I don't think you can, um, decipher between the screen time. I, I think the, the screen time itself has the same effect on the, the brain doesn't know whether you're gaming or watching YouTube videos or, um, you know, or whatever it is, it doesn't, doesn't decipher between those things. So the stimulation on the brain is the same and these apps and devices and games, um, you know, these companies work with psychologists um, to make them as to keep the user on them for as long as possible. They're engineered to be addictive. Um, and so um, I, I understand what you, and, and it's the same with social media as well. You know, they're, they're constantly trying to appeal to you to keep you on the device for as long as possible. And that's how they make their money. You know, that's part of, part of, you know, the tech industry. It's a huge part of the tech industry, billions of dollars. Um, so it's not in their interest for, for these companies to, you know, develop games that are boring <laughs> and gaming falls into that category. They want, they want their key, these kids on these devices for as long as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah. Well, and you bring up social media and I see that, as one of the biggest challenges, because it, it makes us a comparative society. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're, you get on your Facebook and you see, oh wow, look at that vacation they went on. Why can't I go on a vacation mm-hmm. like that? Or, yes. oh, yes. or wow, look at that dress. You know, I'd like a dress like that. And if we're constantly comparing, and if and when you do, you've got a winner and you've got a loser. Yeah. 
That's right. And particularly for girls, that's so destructive. I mean, we just had magazines to compare ourselves to when I was, you know, when I was, when I was my age, you know, just a magazine to flick through. And now these, these girls have these endless streams of images and videos and or most of which are, are photoshopped and completely fake um, to compare themselves to. It's so dangerous and, and so scary. And, um, you know, our, our view is that the, the children um, at this stage, our plan is that the children won't have a social media account until they have their own device. And the children will have their own device when they can pay for their own device. Um, and so when they can get a job when they're 15 or 16 and they can afford their own device and their own plan, that is when they can have one. Um, and then even then, if they're still living in our house, there will be rules surrounding it. But um, I, I just, it is scary, these 12, 13-year-old girls with social media accounts and the things that, the kind of destructive images that they have access to, it's um, it's a real cause for concern. Uh, and another reason to attempt to fast, at least, um, and to see those, those, you know, get these girls off their screens to feel some positive effects in their in their mind and their body. Well, you know, and then there's there's bullying online because it's one thing if someone if you're at school and someone kind of bullies you and only two people see it, but if you do it online and two hundred people see it, I mean, mm. the impact of screen time, the the possible negative consequences of of screen time just continue to evolve. So we've got just a little bit of time left. What advice would you give other parents if they're thinking about trying this intervention? What would you tell them? I would say just to follow your gut, follow your instincts. Um, You know, I think for us, looking back, we really knew for a period before we attempted this that screens were causing problems in our family. Um, It was a not uneasy thing to admit because it seemed such a daunting task to get rid of them. (laughs) But, um, yeah, to follow your instincts. And if you suspect that you have a child who is sensitive to screen time or that may have some behavioural issues because they're related to screen time, just try it. You know, you just – you don't know what you don't know. We opened up this amazing – uh, side to our family that just wouldn't be there. This amazing harmonious connection with each other and with our children, and we had not, we would not have found that if we'd not completed this. Um, just, you know, it, it, it takes planning and it takes dedication, but you can do it. It's it's absolutely possible. Um, if you need the support um, of the people around you, and I know that's not always easy, but if you can get it, um, just give it a go. You've got nothing to lose. So if somebody wanted to kind of reflect black more on your journey, is there a Facebook place where they can look at that? Yeah, so we have a, a Facebook group called the Screen Free uh, Experiment. It's a group, um, not a page. There is a page there, but I don't post on I don't post on social media much at all, to be honest, um, because we, we're low screen. But um, you can we documented our journey right from the start. It was initially it was a closed group just to have with our family, friends, and also our, our kids' teachers, just so that they could follow on with what was going on. Um, and then we opened it up when we realised we wanted to, to share our message and that it was important. We decided to open it up. So you can follow along there with what we did and some videos describing the process and, and some of the effects and then what we're doing on an ongoing basis. I do post on there very, very occasionally, but um, it does have all of um, all that information. So it's a screen-free experiment. It's a Facebook public group. 
Well, thank you so much for, you know, being so transparent uh, because it was painful. It wasn't easy. And a lot of times, you know, we want to go back and edit some of it out, but you're just, you're putting it all out there. And I know that other people will benefit from it. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you getting up at five o'clock in the morning just to spend time with us this afternoon. Um, And I know, I, I know that there'll be families out there that will get a little bit of hope and that um, they too. So. Yes. Yeah. That's great. That's, and that's why I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And I, you're making me think about how much time I spend on my phone. <laughs> On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify,